Sound Design Live. Welcome to Sound Design Live, the creative design podcast about audio in the real world. I'm your host, Nathan Lively, and today I will be talking about one of my own projects, which is a sound installation at Zookhouse Gallery in Berkeley, California, that will open on April 29th. This podcast will have two parts. In this one, um, I'll be talking a little bit about my hopes for the installation and my goals and technically how I got it done. And then the second one, I'll actually talk to people at the opening of the installation and see what their response is. So the first thing I'm gonna do is read some of the promotional material for the event. And if you wanna know anything else about the event, I will put links to Zucal's gallery uh, at sounddesignlive.com. So when I was Portuguese backstage at the National Theater, Nathan Lively transports us to behind the curtain at the National Theater of Portugal, where we witness the inner lives of five veteran actresses navigating the final days of a Broadway-style production. This audio installation offers an intimate glimpse into the theater's backstage energy and five individual lives. The end result is an avant-garde narrative and sound experience. What you see on stage at the theater is not necessarily the most entertaining part. There's another show being performed offstage by the cast and crew surrounding each performance. In this surround sound installation, Nathan Lively takes us backstage at the National Theater of Portugal, uh, Teatro Dona Maria Segunda, as a fly on the wall during the final performances of a 2005 production on the main stage. In this unique perspective of the life of a Portuguese theater, you will hear each actor move around you as they travel from makeup to sound check to curtain call. Sound designer Nathan Lively lived in Lisbon from 2003 to 2007. His first production at Teatro Dona Maria Segunda put him in contact with six experienced actresses performing a Paula Vogel play, which won a Golden Globe for Best Production. Set in New York City in 1981, the play portrays six women struggling to hold on to values of a dying way of life. At once charismatic, arrogant, and pitiful, they tell the story of modernization on and off the stage. Sound design, live. So there are a lot of details and issues to talk about with this particular piece of work that I did, and not the least of which is the morality of it all, but I wanna leave those kinds of questions till the second part so I can actually talk to somebody else and you can hear more than just my view. So to set the scene a little bit, it was 2005. I had been living in Portugal for a couple of years, was just barely getting a handle on the language and had my first job at the National Theater, my first job working on a big musical, my first job uh, working on a piece of theater that ran for so long. I can't remember exactly, but I think this piece ran for about three, if not three and a half months. So the National Theater of Portugal is funded by the state um, and they have some nice equipment. They have uh, Meyer sound systems in each of their rooms. I think they have three rooms running now, or at least they did. I should just talk about when I was there. They have three rooms and um, a nice arsenal of DPA, Sennheiser, Shure microphones. I didn't have a mic tech or an A2 for this show, so I would turn on the microphones and deliver them to the makeup artist two hours before the show would start. 
The capsule was placed at the top of the forehead and the makeup artist would secure the wire through the wig and it would go down the actress's back to the transmitter. The receivers for these microphones were on stage, so I really didn't have a way to look at the meters for signal strength and battery level. The only way I could do checks was by doing a pre-fader listen on each of the channels periodically um, throughout the pre-show time leading up into the show. And I would check pretty often because I was nervous. It was my first time doing a show there. And what I realized after a few months was that these women were hilarious. It was just like a soap opera listening to them. They're, they were, they're always so dramatic, you know, everything, almost every day it was something new, you know, something crazy going on about how, um, I don't know, something crazy about the weather or they're complaining about politics or the food. That's what first gave me the idea to record it. Um, I had recently purchased a Fireface 800 from RME, so I had channels of recording, and I think we were using a Soundcraft K3, I don't remember the number of channels, but anyway, had um, direct outs on each channel. And so I just brought that in for the last couple of shows, maybe the last three shows, and recorded the entire day, like from the moment I turned on the microphone to the moment it got turned off um, after the show. And I held on to that until now, until 2011. So for all these years, and I kept thinking, this is going to be a great installation someday. And then uh, a few months ago, I finally decided to do something with it. And when I sat down to listen to it, at first I thought, oh, I'll make an installation of the entire show and pre-show and post-show. But then I realized that that would be, you know, like five hours of material because, um, not only did you have these two hours before the show, but then there was an intermission that sometimes went longer than it should have. Uh, and then there was a post-show, there's sound check. So, that, so it would have been really long. So I edited it down to an hour and used only the things outside of the show, actual show itself. So with each day, I think there's, it's a Saturday and a Sunday were the last two shows. And I have the pre-show, the sound check, the intermission, and the post-show for each of those days. So at first I thought, I'll do a surround sound mix of this material, and then people can just sit in the middle, in the dark, or in any kind of lighting, with no, with no visual material, and just listen to the actresses move around them and do the things that they're doing, and you'll be able to hear them move from room to room. And I just thought, aurally, that would be really interesting. As I started reviewing the material, I realized that there are a lot of little interesting stories going on. Um, there are political dramas playing out. There are um, little dramas going on in between the actresses themselves. Uh, I come in at one point and they talk to me and about me. Uh, they talk about the fact that it's April Fool's Day and that it's Easter, and they they're lamenting about uh, how great the show was and about how they wish it wouldn't end and how much they like each other. Um, they're talking about other actors, um, and I realized that if I could let people know what they're talking about somehow, 
that some of these stories would come across, and not only would people get to hear what it's like backstage at the National Theater of Portugal, but they would also get a sense of Portuguese culture, and not only modern Portuguese culture, but these women are all, um, uh, I think they're all over 50, if not all over 60. So you're hearing Portuguese culture, but also a little bit older Portuguese culture, a little bit more classic, I guess. Maybe that's a good word. So what I'll do now is play you the introduction. The following recordings took place on April 1st and 2nd, a Saturday and Sunday in 2006 at the National Theater of Portugal in Lisbon. The five actresses recorded play aging prostitutes in New York City in 1981, coming to the end of their long careers. After each one passes away, they perform a song with two angels and observe the rest of the play from heaven at stage left. Each actress wore a wireless microphone in her wig. You will hear them and their surroundings on Saturday during the sound check and after the show, and then on Sunday afternoon during sound check, during intermission, and after the show. Colored subtitles will be shown to identify each actress. Magenta for Maria José, yellow for Lourdes Norberto, green for Fernanda Montemor, Cyan for Gloria de Matos, and red for Leah Gama. The screen has been split into five parts to show when the actresses are on stage, off stage, in the stairwell, in the elevator, in their dressing rooms on the second and third floors, or in the makeup studio on the fourth floor. Also, when Lourdes goes to the theater's cafe, her subtitles will be shown in the center. Other voices are given subtitles in the color of the actress with which they are speaking. So I realize now that I've been saying surround sound and surround mix, but I'm actually using a quadraphonic setup in my studio and will be showing the installation in that format. Um, and it, it made more sense to me. I, I didn't want to have to worry about low frequency effects because this, I'm just basically doing voice and you'll, a piano comes in at some points. And also, I, I didn't really feel like I needed a center channel. So one of the first challenges um, with mixing this was what to do about when people go to other floors in the building. They're, you hear them get in and out of the elevators, and the dressing rooms are on uh, floors above the stage. So what I did was I put things in the stage in the rear speakers, and then you hear people move around on stage behind you because the show and what they're doing on stage and the sound check is, is not necessarily the focus. They do a lot of talking there, but then when they get into the elevator, you hear them move around to the right side, and then they stay over there for a little bit, and then when they get out of the elevator, they move out in front of you, and I chose specific points in the sound field from left to right then in the front um, for the location of each actress's dressing room. Uh, and also there's a makeup studio then over on the far left. I'm not going to try to put in any of the surround mixes, but I will put a clip with uh, the quadraphonic mix on my website. And for those of you that have multi-channel um, set up somewhere or some fancy headphones can download those and take a listen. Um, obviously, if you're in the Bay Area, please come to the opening on April 29th 
and then it'll actually be up for a month after that. And so if anybody wants to see it, they can just contact me. Uh, but right now I'll play a little example and you'll just hear it in stereo of people moving around a little bit and you can get a sense of just what it feels like to hear these actresses. So as you can imagine, it can be pretty confusing when all these people are talking at the same time. And you heard in the introduction that each of the subtitles has its own color and its own placement on the screen. But even so, uh, it kind of turns into a cacophony and it can, it can really be hard to focus on, on any one story or, or theme going on. Um, but you should just know that, that the installation is an hour long and it's not like that all the time. Um, there are these climaxes where everybody's talking and it's really intense and you can't really focus on any one thing. You just have all of these things uh, blasting into you. And then there are other times when no one's talking and all you hear is silence because they're at the end of an act or everyone's just in their room preparing and maybe you just hear some water running, uh, some people breathing or warming up or something. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is the challenge of creating the subtitles. And, and this is not necessarily something that everyone out there working in audio is going to need to know, but I thought you might be interested to know how I did it anyway. Um, I spent a couple of days just looking at software and testing solutions because I knew that if I spent hours working on the translation, uh, I wanted it to work out right. Um, I was afraid that the way I would have to do this is to create little pieces of video in Final Cut Pro for each chunk of audio. Uh, so somebody says something and I insert the video and then write out the sentence and then place it correctly on the screen. Now with an hour long installation and five different people, uh, that would have been terrifying and taking an incredible amount of time. So annotation edit has a nice function called quick log, which will detect phrases of audio, uh, create video clips that then I can type the subtitles into and then import into Final Cut Pro. Um, and it's a lot easier to edit things like that than it would be to create those little video clips one at a time in Final Cut Pro. So I would import each of the audio tracks into annotation edit separately so I could listen just to one actress at a time, uh, do the quick log feature, 
and then just jump from clip to clip and create the subtitles. So it took me about a day to translate each of those and then it took me about another day to make the subtitles look correct in Final Cut Pro. So after I would import it into Final Cut Pro, then I would just solo up each of the, the actress that it would correspond to. And then as the mix moved around me, then I would also try and place the subtitle in the correct position on the screen to make it correspond to where it is in the space around my head. I knew this would be important because I know how easy it is to influence people's hearing with their other senses. So I knew it would be powerful to combine the aural localization with the visual to really send the message that, yes, this person is moving from on stage behind you to the elevator to their dressing room. Another fun thing about using annotation edit was that everything is really precise. So the subtitles start and end exactly with the audio pretty much. Um, and this is visually enhancing as well because as people start talking faster, the subtitles, sorry, the subtitles start coming on and off uh, faster and faster. Um, but uh, one of the cool things was that all of the time code then with the subtitles is really accurate. And from that, I was able to compile a complete transcript then of the entire installation. So the next challenge for me will really be the sound system design of this show. It's pretty easy to do the video. I just need a projector and I need to get it big enough so that everyone can see it and then have enough chairs. But um, to cover the entire audience with each of the four speakers, I'll need to get them up high enough and have them at the correct angle. And so I'm not sure yet if I'm going to invest in hardware to get the speakers in the right place or to just find some stands that can go high enough and create an angle. Not sure yet exactly how I'm gonna do that. So that'll be something that I'll have to get back to you with in the second part of this podcast, which I will do in a month. So thanks for listening. I'm Nathan Lively and this is Sound Design Live. And if there's something that you don't think I explained well enough or you have more questions about, please feel free to comment on the post at sounddesignlive.com or send me an email, nathan at sounddesignlive.com. Thanks. Sound design. Live.